0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Countries are failing to meet their own climate commitments, according to a report released on Wednesday ahead of COP27, the UN summit in Egypt in November. The UN's climate body found that only 26 out of 193 countries increased their ambitions since last year despite all promising they would. If countries come good on their current pledges, the world will still warm by roughly 2.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels by 2100, with disastrous consequences. Meanwhile, The Lancet, a medical journal, found that rising temperatures have notably compounded health risks through hunger, heat-related illnesses and infectious disease. Heat-related deaths have increased globally by two-thirds in the last two decades. Rishi Sunak, Britain's new Prime Minister, unveiled his new cabinet. He kept Jeremy Hunt as his Chancellor of the Exchequer. Mr Hunt had reversed most of the disastrous mini-budget that caused the downfall of the previous PM, Liz Truss. Both main opposition parties called for an investigation into Suella Braverman who was reappointed as Home Secretary a week after she resigned over a breach of ministerial conduct. Alphabet reported lower-than-expected quarterly results. Revenues at Google's parent company rose by 6% year-over-year to $69.1 billion. That is its slowest growth rate in more than two years, and comes amid a pullback in digital ad spending. Ad sales at YouTube, its video-sharing platform, declined compared with the same period in 2021. Microsoft's revenues grew by nearly 11% to $50 billion, though sales at its cloud computing unit slightly missed expectations. Irina Verishchuk, Ukraine's Deputy Prime Minister, asked Ukrainians sheltering abroad not to return home until spring to ease the strain on the country's energy infrastructure, which has been crippled by Russian missiles. The grid won't survive should refugees return, she said. Separately, a Ukrainian official said Russian forces were digging in for the heaviest of battles in Kherson City, where a Ukrainian counteroffensive appears imminent. America, Japan, and South Korea warned there would be an unparalleled scale of response should North Korea conduct a nuclear test. Kim Jong-un's regime last conducted a nuclear weapons test in 2017, and the three allies worry it may now be preparing for another. It has launched an unprecedented number of missiles this year. A group of progressive Democratic members of Congress withdrew a letter calling on Joe Biden to seek talks with Vladimir Putin in order to negotiate a ceasefire in Ukraine. The appeal was interpreted by many as an attempt to appease Russia's autocratic president. The Progressive Caucus said its U-turn came because they did not want their views to become conflated with Republican calls to end Ukrainian aid. House price growth in America decelerated in August at its fastest pace since tracking started in 1987, according to the Case-Shiller Home Price Index. Prices rose by 13% in the year through August, down from July's year-over-year growth of 15.6%. The Federal Reserve's continuing interest rate rises are likely to dent price growth even more, as mortgage financing becomes more expensive. And fact of the day, 90%. Roughly the share of Apple products currently made in China.
1: And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Duplicity in the Desert The Future Investment Initiative, a talk fest for business people, investors, and government leaders, dubbed Davos in the Desert, is running until Thursday in Saudi Arabia, with a theme of Investing in Humanity, Enabling a New Global Order, and session titles like The Humanoid Economy, the event promises the same kind of high-sounding gibberish as its Swiss cousin. It primarily serves to add a glossy sheen to the oil-rich kingdom and help its elite network with global bosses. America has not sent government delegates. They said they didn't want to, while the conference's organizer claimed they were not invited. The two countries recently had a public spat over the kingdom's support of a production cut by the OPEC-plus oil cartel, a move that benefits Russia, a fellow member. Still, bosses of American businesses such as J.P. Morgan Chase and Bridgewater have turned up, eager to cash in on the boom underway in the Gulf. Despite its distasteful record of despotism, the kingdom's riches continue to prove irresistible. Thailand Legalizes Abortion As several countries tighten access to abortions, Thailand is doing the opposite, loosening its once-restrictive laws to be among the most liberal in Southeast Asia. It has one of the highest rates of teenage pregnancy among middle-income countries and has long waged a losing battle against back-alley procedures. The WHO estimates that the official number of abortions around 30,000 every year, is just a tenth of the real figure. But in 2020, Thailand's Constitutional Court ruled that banning abortion violated equal rights for men and women as well as the rights to life and liberty. Last year, as a first step, the government legalized procedures performed during the first trimester of pregnancy. From Thursday... Women who are no more than 20 weeks into their pregnancies will be able to seek abortions in 110 public hospitals and clinics across the country after a consultation with a doctor. Rishi Sunak's unflashy start as prime minister Rishi Sunak became Britain's prime minister on Tuesday after an appointment with King Charles III. It is shaping up to be an unflashy premiership shorn of the grand ideological visions of his predecessors. Speaking in Downing Street, Mr. Sunak said that his priority would be to restore Britain's stability in the face of a profound economic crisis. He promised to fix the mistakes of his predecessor, Liz Truss, whose mini budget sparked a sell off of Britain's debt and currency. His cabinet is stuffed with former ministers, many returning to their previous jobs, including James Cleverly, the foreign secretary, and Suella Braverman, the home secretary. His office wants those appointments to project unity, experience, and continuity. But it also reflects how, after his two predecessors were deposed in quick succession, Mr. Sunak would rather not make powerful enemies by shaking things up. Deutsche Bank still cannot find its stride. At first, it looked like a reprieve. In April, Deutsche Bank reported its highest quarterly profits in almost a decade after years spent fighting legal scandals and dumping its unwanted assets to cut losses. Yet within 48 hours, police had raided the bank's headquarters in Frankfurt in another money-laundering investigation. On Wednesday, Germany's biggest bank is reporting again. Boosted by rising interest rates, it is expected to register profits for a ninth consecutive quarter. But that has not assuaged investors spooked by the continued legal troubles. Police returned for another raid in May, and again last week in connection to a continuing tax fraud case. The bank's share price fluctuates around a fifth lower than one year ago. It has been a bumpy road in other ways, too. In July, the bank ditched its cost-cutting targets, citing the unforeseen costs of the war in Ukraine and its litigation expenses. The past quarter has not felt like a new leaf. The Art of Climate Protest On Sunday, climate activists glued themselves to the Abbey Road crossing in London, made famous by the Beatles. On Monday, four more were arrested for smearing cake on a waxwork of King Charles III at Madame Tussauds. The group, Just Stop Oil, is increasingly using cultural targets to protest against climate change. Their stunts, which also included splattering soup all over Van Gogh's sunflowers at Britain's National Gallery, have sparked furious debate about whether they engage or alienate the public. Polling published in April found that whereas 58% of respondents supported the group's demands, including stopping new licenses being issued for fossil fuel projects in Britain, only 18% supported the group itself. Messing with artwork inconveniences the public less directly than its more conventional past activity such as blocking roads, but also feels more tangential to climate issues. Undeterred, the group has warned to expect them every day and anywhere. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers, and as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which Supreme Court justice died in September 2020? Tuesday. Which philosopher wrote the essay The Hedgehog and the Fox? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Simone Weil. Attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio.